Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Well, we're continuing our series through Lamentations. And we're not going verse by verse um, through the whole book. It's five poems. A lot of it is going to be sharing, again, similar things, crying out to God for the situation that's in. But what I want to do is kind of open up some understanding of the book, why I think the book is so important, uh, why it is ministered, at least to me, um, recently and in the past, and hopefully begin to see how the Lord can uh, use this area of grief in our lives and help us to be aware of it in other people's lives as well. You know, as the book starts out, even in verse one, it says, how deserted lies the city, once so full of people, how like a widow is she. We, we start to see that the narrator is speaking, remember, there's a narrator, a woman, and a man who doesn't start speaking till chapter three. And the narrator starts off and he's speaking most of the beginning part of this chapter, and he likens the city to a woman. How like a widow is she? Once, who was once great among the nations, she was queen among the provinces, has now become a slave. And so it's a woman, it's a widow, and it's a slave. If you go back down a little bit further, to verse 5, it says, Her foes have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. And now she's a mother. So which one is she? Is she a mother? Is she a slave? Is she a widow? Is she all of them? And then more importantly, how can a city have gender? And what I want to bring out about this is a lot of the things that are taking place 
in this book take place throughout a lot of the scripture that is very poetic. It happens in the Psalms. It'll happen at various places, even in a a book like Exodus, where there'll be a song. Uh, It happens in Genesis. There are times where this poetry takes place that is supposed to give depth to what is being shared. In other words, it's not just information. We, we know that this is, again, about 500 years uh, B.C. We know that uh, Jerusalem has been laid waste, the tribe of Judah taken captivity, and these people are left. And the book isn't saying there were, you know, 23,000 people taken captive into Babylon. There were 5,000 who were killed and whose bodies are here. There are, you know... 1,200 that are mortally wounded that are still here alive. There are, you know, 300 uh, children that have been buried by their fathers. It's not giving information. It's using very picturesque language to try and give description. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, How the Lord covered Zion with the cloud of his anger. How does... Anger become a cloud. Anger is an emotion. How is it now a cloud? Well, we get the impression. You, you know how it's like when a cloud is looming over with rain ready to fall and, and just that ominous presence that's there. And so what's happening is the writer is giving this kind of picturesque language. In uh, verse 4, it says, Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. His right hand is ready. Like a foe, he has slain all who were pleasing to the eye. He has poured out his wrath like fire. Do you pour fire out? I imagine if it's lava, right? But fire doesn't usually get poured out. But it's giving some descriptions to the things that are taking place. Verse 5, the Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel swallowed up. The Lord is like an enemy. What's taking place here? How how does the Lord swallow up a city? Even further down, it goes on to verse 16. And it says, all your enemies open their mouths wide against you. They scoff and gnash their teeth. The enemies, really, they open their mouths wide at you? Is that all that's happening? I could handle that, right? All the enemies just with mouths open wide. No, what's the idea? It's that they're consuming you. And so all this language, you can't take these things literally, but they're still true. And in fact, even more clear than just the information. So God is speaking to us through this writer's poetry, through the metaphors, through the illustrations, is helping us to see the picture that is here so that we can get that picture more clearly. When you are suffering, literal language often fails you. It often comes short of actually grasping how this tragedy hurt is affecting you. 
you know, you, you share something and you say, the things that he said really made me mad. Or what she did hurt my feelings. And you might, what did she do? What, how, you don't get an idea of what depth that is. But if you say, what he did was he stabbed me in the back and twisted the knife. Oh, now I get an idea how it feels. She reached into my chest and ripped out my heart. Right? All of a sudden, now there's a description to it that gives you a little bit more depth to what is being said so that you can start appreciating what is taking place. But what has to happen is the language has to become a little bit more expressive. Not only is it being named what's happening, but it's also expressing it in a way that gives more clarity. And this is why when people get angry, they get louder, right? I know I do. If I'm excited about something, my voice will go up. I'll get a little bit more animated. I'll talk a little bit more quickly. That's why some people, when they're really enraged about something, will curse. They'll use more colorful language. Why? Because that has emotionally moved them to a place where the regular speech is not good enough to convey the emotion that's taking place within me. I'm not advocating cursing. But these are the things that happen. This, by the way, is why we love music so much. Is it gives expression to emotion. The other day we were driving with one of the granddaughters and she asked me to play a song. It's all about the music. And so I'm going through and I'm playing the songs and she asked me to play a song, and I'm like, okay, what song is it by who? And this is, and I played this song, and then she says, yeah, my, my grandmother used to, this was our song, we used to sing this song, or she, she, it reminds me of my grandmother. And all of a sudden, I saw as the song started playing over, there was just this cloud over her of just memory, and she just got quiet, which is unusual for her. You know, all of a sudden, it just settled her down, and, and it moved her to this emotional place. And for someone who hasn't had opportunity to actually give out emotion, this was actually probably a very healing thing for her to be able to have this emotion come through. Even though someone else is singing it, she is feeling it. I know that there are songs that I hear, and because they connect to events in my life or the life of people I love. I, I, I see this event taking place and this song was something that helped me just maybe to emotionally connect to that event. There are a few songs, I'll hear them and I can just about start crying any time. I hear that song and it just, oh, this reminds me of this person when this happened. Even the songs that we sing here at church. Whenever we sing I Will Rise, I think of Cynthia Wheat because she loved that song. I remember singing it at her memorial service, and every now and then we'll be singing that song, and my mind goes back to that place, and I just get choked up because of how it connects to an event. 
And we need to recognize that we are made this way. And so this is why the Lord uses these things. This is why we love the scriptures so much. Why you go through the Old Testament and there's so many beautiful, powerful stories. Why the Psalms and the songs and all their illustrations, Jesus and all his parables, all these things are meant to move us, meant to grab our attention. And poetic language is a way that does that. And sometimes we can miss out on that if we just have this academic approach to everything. Kareen just recently told me that one of the best things that she did was go through the year Bible and she just read it without studying it. And it just meant so much to her, she just started reading these stories. And I think she was reading like a New Living Translation or something, it was an easier translation, maybe even a paraphrase, but it spoke to her so much. You know, but we live in a time where it's like, no, is that an original to the Greek? You know, is that God? It's like, come on, people. It's like we need to have the word-by-word translation. Well, it's good if you're studying and there's things that are there, but sometimes you just need to read and let it hit you. Sometimes it just needs to wash over you. It just needs to flood your soul and just overwhelm your senses with God's presence, and you can't just study that. It's not something you're academically going to achieve. And we make a mistake thinking that that's how these things happen many times. And so this isn't about giving correct information. This is about giving pain an expression. Remember last time we talked about naming it, but now it's actually giving it an expression. Naming it, then expressing it. That way, it gets to fully be embraced and then released. And this is why we need to be colorfully expressive and sometimes the way we feel and the things that we go through. This is why sometimes we're the ones who have to sit down and listen to the song or pick up the Psalms and read them. Because well, I don't know why. Whenever I'm going through something, the Psalms minister to me. Anyone ever feel that way? It's like I just want to open the Psalms and it's just something starts happening. Why? Because there's expression taking place. You don't need to know that God loves you anymore. You already know that he does. But you need to hear your love, O oh Lord, is better than life. And now oh, that touches me. It's true, but it's expressive as well. And this is why when people... Talk about finding errors in the Bible. Well, the Bible's full of errors. It's like you're missing the whole point. Yeah, you know, you could say that all these things that we just read are errors because, you know, you don't swallow up Israel. You know, you, you don't have these kinds of illustrations. There's not a cloud of anger. And you could say those are errors, but you're missing the whole point of the Scripture. The point of Scripture isn't to just give us information. It's meant to give us an expression of who God is, his heart, as well as an understanding of our hearts. 
in Exodus chapter 36, when Moses is telling them how to set up the tabernacle and he gets these instructions from God of of what they're supposed to do. There is all this intricate detail to the colors and the gold thread and the purple fabric. And it's like, why does it have to be purple fabric? Why can't we use this brown fabric? You know, we've got a lot of this. Why does it have to be this way? Because something happens when you walk in and you see that color. It, it, It it moves your senses to be something you start to recognize, especially at that time. And still today, purple is a royal color. And so now we have this expression of royalty here. And so it was meant to do those things. God gave us the ability to see in color, most of us. He gave us the ability to, to smell fragrances. So the, the temple, their, their tabernacle too, would be incense burning. So that when you went in there and this incense could only be used for the worship. Why? Because it's supposed to be special. And and here's this fragrance. And now whenever you smell this, you start to think of this area of worship. I know there are people who maybe grew up Catholic have the same thing. You walk into church and you smell that incense and immediately you're back in Catholic church. It's like, oh man, I'm in church again. Back like when I was a kid or something like that. It just takes you back to that place of expression. And, And so these things are placed here. We have these senses so that we can fully use them to have an interaction and an encounter with God through the things we see, through things we smell, even the taste and the things that they would have the food that was offered to the Lord and prepared certain ways. Um, We have those cookies that Linda made that are just amazing. Um, There's just an expression for so many things and we are supposed to have that. A lot of times we fail to see the importance of giving expression to the things that we feel. And we end up just giving information. And it actually helps us in our healing to be able to have deeper expression. Something that captures the feeling, something that expresses the feeling because we know the situation is you know, difficult. We know the person has cancer and they're suffering, but then when we hear something that is like, oh, it's killing me, it's wearing me out, it's draining me, I have no more strength, I feel like I, I'm walking dead, whatever those expressions are, it's actually good for you to be able to share those things. Even if you're not poetic, maybe you can listen to a song that captures those things and you'll hear one. They're all over the radio. Wouldn't you think we had enough love songs by now? They're still being written because there's still ways to express it. Wouldn't you think we had enough songs about injustice And problems, nope, they're still being written because there's still ways to express it because every group of people, every generation needs their expression, needs to capture what's happening inside of them. And so you have to see that. And then you start to understand, oh, well, that's why they like their music because it's their expression. They can't use our expression. That was ours. You know, we had the Beatles. They have to have someone else. 
So they have rap and different things, whatever it might be. It's their expression. And so we see that now as something that's a little bit more. You see, we're trying to figure out pain, but pain is coming from a different category. Many times to get over it, you have to approach it from a different place than just that informational state. People need to understand that when pain comes in through these different areas, sometimes the way to get past it is to write about it, is to talk about it with someone so that you can bring expression to it and it brings healing. And I know that I've come and many of you maybe have come to a place where it's in the past, just let it go, forget it. But that's hard if you haven't actually dealt with it. And I'm forgiven, so don't bring that up anymore. It's like, well, you're forgiven, but I'm still hurt. You know, when I've done things that have hurt my wife, I just want to say, it's over with. I'm sorry. Forgive me and let's move on. But what if the pain is still there? And she needs to express it. And we need to talk about it or we need to to even go to a counselor about it because it's not moving past this area. How can I help get it out of me and out of this controlling area of our lives? We have to give it expression. And sometimes people stay in the same place and don't move past healing. And it's not because, well, I know that the Lord forgives them. You know that, but you're not feeling it because you haven't expressed it. Well, I express it to them. (laughs) I express it to him all the time. (laughs) But maybe you need to express it or have someone help you express it in a way that is more clear for you. Gives you deeper understanding of what you're actually feeling. Because whenever you go through a loss, a hurt, there is the need to express it in a way that connects to you. You lost someone you love. How do you express it? How can you give words to it? How can you give emotion? How can you give understanding to the the depth that it was there? You go through a divorce. Divorce is like a death, but the person's still alive. How do you give expression to that? How do you move on living even though this other person is still living, but your life with them is gone? Sickness. Depression, all these things can be things that start to wear on us and how do we give expression to them and help move past them? Another thing I wanted to point out is that we don't hear the woman speak until the end of verse nine. And the way the writers bring this up is they put quotes on her words. Verse nine, it says, her her filthiness clung to her skirts Again, it's talking about the city. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. And then we hear her speak, look, Lord, on my afflictions, for the enemy has triumphed. And then it goes back to the narrator. The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary. Those who you had forbidden to enter your assembly 
All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasure for food to keep themselves alive. And then again, she speaks, look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you? All you who pass by, look around and see. Is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me that the Lord brought on me in the day of his fierce anger? And so we see that she doesn't speak until verse 9. There's 22 verses in the first, second, third, and fifth book, or fifth poem. But it's not till this part that she finally comes out and there's silence at the beginning as the event takes place and as it's described. And I think this silence is really something that is important to recognize. I think that the, the writer's penning this out and has the woman, because she's going to speak a whole lot later on, but she doesn't start speaking up. And we'll talk a little bit more about why she's saying, look, next week, but she doesn't start speaking until later on. And then when she says, it's just these little words like, look and see. I mean, it's like, what's going on here? Look, look and see, look and consider what's happened. And I think one of the things that happens in times of severe tragedy, hurt, things that happen to us that are very traumatic is we go through a type of shock. And what happens many times is we can't speak. We just don't know what to say. And that's okay. You don't have to speak at the beginning. Sometimes it's good to let silence just take hold of you. Because you're in shock. And you can be in shock for a lot of things. I always think of, you know, when it's an accident or the people who are in war, they're in shock. But shock can happen to you with an event that happens to you. And something will happen and it'll bombard you. You'll have PTSD about that event. And it might happen for years. I can remember an event that happened to me that put me in shock. And any time I would hear this other person's name, I would go back to this moment. And it has taken years before that has gone away. Because every time you hear that person's name or a situation, you go back to the event where this took place. And I remember being dumbfounded, like speechless. Like, what do I do? What do I say? How can this be happening? And that's actually part of the word lamentations. To lament is how. It's like, how is this happening? And so silence is a form of grief and expression. Shock is something that takes place when you go through these things. And sometimes the best thing you can do is sit with someone we're going to watch a short video and then I'll close with some things. I think it's one of the areas that we as believers in Christ have neglected is 
that area of emotion, not all of us, but some of us, um, to be able to express those things, even to be able to sit in the silence and not have to answer the hurt with the Bible verse or some kind of word that's going to make it all better. Sometimes it, it can't be made all better. You have to sit in it. You have to go through it for the restoration to finally come and take place. And I know that here, I know some of the stories that are here, and even the stories that I do know, I know that there are more stories that I don't know in each of your lives. But there are things that have torn a part of you away, have crippled you, have cut you deep, have left wounds and and to even give this expressive language that there is a cloud of despair maybe over you that that is consuming you that there is an emptiness that you live with every day because of this wound because of this person because of this event that it follows you And if you need to sit in it, it's okay. If you don't have words, it's okay. God sits with you, and we can sit with you. And then there might move to a place where even it turns into this anger. You know, you sit in it, and then you you get angry about it. And, and, And being real, you know, why did this happen I don't know. Why did he do that to me? I don't know. Why did she do that to me? I don't know. Why did they have to go? I don't know. And no answer is going to satisfy what's taking place. If we gave all the information, well, the reason she left is because when she was a child, this happened to her, so she has a predisposition to do this, and then she had these events. It's not going to answer the hurt that's taking place in you. Many times in counseling, when you're counseling a couple, if there's been some issue that's happened, they want to know all the things. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? And most of the time, there is no answer that can be given that will ever satisfy the hurt that's being experienced. Because language that's descriptive only goes so far, it actually is a lot deeper. And so the expression shows up in different ways, and sometimes it'll turn to anger, After that silence, after that shock, it'll turn into a grief. And it's a process that we have to go through. It just is. And what I thought we could do here tonight, or what I'd like to do, is open up a time where if you want to, no one is pressured to, but if there's something that you're 
hurting in, and maybe you don't even have to express it. Just say, there's an event in my life that's really causing me pain. That we can take a moment and sit with you in that pain. And if there's a, if you want to share for a few moments just something that's happened in a way that helps you, then we want to be here to let you express those things. No one's going to try and answer it. We're not going to try and, and give you some remedy. We want to allow the expression or we want to sit with you in it. Is there anyone who has anything that they would like to share just regarding some pain, some difficulty in their life? Is everyone feeling a little vulnerable right now? It's tragic that the things that have shaped us the most are the hurts that we keep silent about. It's tragic. Not that we blast everything out, but there's something for everyone to learn in the pain that you've gone through if there can be a way of expressing it. I'll start. Maybe I'll be the only one. I struggle and hurt for my family, for my children, the events in their lives and the things that have taken place that have hurt them. I struggle with guilt for the things that I feel I should have done better as a father, wishing I could have helped them avoid the hurts that they've gone through. And my heart for my children is something that affects me, affects the relationship with my wife, it affects my relationship with God. It's something that affects me deeply. Because of all that has happened and all that I feel I could have maybe prevented from happening, um, it's an area of hurt for me. So if you would just take a moment and just allow me to sit for one minute with me just as I confess this and as I sit with this and as I just give it expression. Thank you. What's taken place is you have seen through the expression of these words some of the deepest parts of us who've shared the things that are important to us right now in our lives. You know us a little bit better, more deeply. It's vulnerable to open up and share the hurts that we have. 
and I hope we can grow in this area as a community, not just have this time of spilling all the things out, but having a time where what really hurts doesn't stay buried, but has an expression, even if it's just someone to sit with you in that time of hurt. Years ago, a friend of mine, my best friend at the time, I went to church and I was late. I had to work and as I was going to church, he was outside and we played in the band and he was in the band and and as I went there, he was sitting outside and it was unusual because usually after he played, he would sit inside the church and I just asked him, what, what's wrong? What's going on? And he told me, my grandfather just died. And as I was sitting there, it was the strangest thing. I just, he kind of bowed his head and just started to cry. And I just held him and I just started crying with him. And I cried with him for probably about 10 minutes. And it was weird to me. I was like, why am I crying? It's not my grandfather, but I just felt it. And he just hugged me and I hugged him for about 10 minutes. We just cried with each other. And I never have felt so close to a friend, and this is that time where I just cried with him. I didn't give him any words. I didn't have anything to give him. I, I didn't know what to say. I just cried with him at that time of loss. And sometimes that's what we need. It's just someone to sit with us. Sometimes just to be quiet. If you need some words, they can give you words. Maybe for those of you who didn't want to publicly share what's going on, maybe you can write it out and, and give some kind of expression to the pain and hurt that's going on inside of you so that it doesn't stay inside of you. Because you don't reason your way out of this. You just don't. It has to be expressed. Why does God have a book of poems about grief? An expression of grief. It's because it's important. And I think it's important that we recognize that these expressions are for us so that we can grow from them. Lord, I do pray that you would help us to grow in this area of lament, Lord, to learn how to lament, to learn how to move from hurt to healing. And sometimes healing doesn't take away the feeling or the hurt. Sometimes healing is, Father, something that takes place even through that time of hurt. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in this area, that we would be genuine, Lord, that we would not put up a brave front, that we would not be superficial, that we would not pretend things are okay when they're not. Lord, that there would be people who could come and sit with us and to be silent with us and people who could help us with our expression. And Lord, may you help us with our expression. May we write, may we sing, may we find a way, God, to bring this question, this how, out so that you can sit with us as well. And you ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was an exciting, fun night, huh?
I hope it's helpful to you guys. You know, I really wanted to share at the beginning that part too about poetry and expression in Scripture. I think it's really a key to understanding. And let me throw this out out there. Out there. John the Beloved was a poet. You go through John's gospel, it's a lot different than Luke's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the way it's actually expressed, the Word stood face to face. I mean, there's this beautiful expression, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. It's very poetic in its writing. The book of Revelation is a lot of poetry. Just throw that out there. Anyway, God bless you guys. Have some more stuff to eat and coffee. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.